Welcome to this week's podcast from Free Chapel in Orange County. We hope that you enjoy this encouraging message. For more information on our church family, visit freechapel.org forward slash OC. Well, did you bring a Bible? If you have a Bible, why don't you get it out and turn with me to Luke uh, chapter 1, verse 79. We're going to read. Um, I'm sorry, go. Well, you can get Luke 179. We'll get there in a second. But let's. I'm not going to start there. I'm going to start from a very familiar. Let's go to Luke 2.14. Bless you. We're going to, uh, we're going to um, begin um, our, it's really our, our Christmas season on the first uh, Sunday of December. And, uh, and I want to begin it by, by just sharing one verse that we're very familiar with um, that we often uh, read surrounding Christmas. Um, and I'm not preaching this just because it's surrounding Christmas, um, but really it just worked with what I felt God uh, lead me, led me to do. Um, but it's a familiar verse in, in Luke chapter 2 and verse 14, and this is where the angels um, speak to the um, shepherds that are out in the field. And it's pertaining to obviously the birth of Christ. And they say this, they say, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace. Say that word peace. Say it like you're awake, say peace. peace. And on earth, peace and goodwill toward man. Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace and goodwill toward man. What I wanna talk about real quickly for the next few minutes is the pathway to peace, the pathway to peace. I think one of the things that um, negatively impacts our ability to operate in and activate the peace of God in our lives is because of the very um, minimalistic, simplistic view we have of what peace really is. And when we talk about peace and I say it to you, I don't know about you, but I know for me, if someone, you know, that word is mentioned, I just think of feeling nice. You know, I feel peaceful or I feel at peace. And I think in doing so, we have that, this mindset of peace as just simply being that. And because we have that mindset of it, we are so reducing what the peace of God desperately wants to do in and through our life because quite simply, we're not really honouring it for what it really is. And we, not, we don't dishonour it intentionally. It just, I think, through ignorance that we actually view it as something that's an added extra and not a necessity. And as I look at this familiar verse in Scripture that we sing about at Christmas time and we have on our Christmas cards, as I sort of look at it, I had this new perspective of this verse and what these angels were declaring that day that's caused me to look at this peace of God very differently. And one of the things that caused me to change the way I view the peace of God is the fact that the angels came and the very first thing they declared was God's peace. And when we understand the context of the day and the oppression that the people of God were under at that time, they were under Roman rule. They had, they had exiled out of Egypt many years earlier. They were desperately waiting for and seeking 
a, a Messiah. They needed breakthrough. They needed deliverance. They needed healing. These people were bound and the angel comes and has this opportunity to declare what the Son of God is about to usher into this world and He declares, or these angels declare, peace. Now, I don't know about you, but if I was in that moment and if I'm under oppression and I'm bound and I'm a shepherd in a field, I'm a little bit discouraged when the angel could have declared breakthrough, could have declared miracles, could have declared freedom, could have declared healing, but you're just telling me peace? That's all you got for me? That I'm just gonna feel nice? And then I looked at it and I thought, maybe it's not that the angel declared something that was basic and simple. Maybe it's just the way in which I view it. And maybe I'm missing out on activating a greater level of God's peace in my life because I've dishonoured it, because I've allowed the world's concept of peace to pollute the peace of God and my understanding of it. And maybe there's an invitation here to a deeper level of God's peace in my life that's not just feeling good, but actually is powerful. And I wanna talk about that peace today. And I want to, in a sense, I want you to clean the slate and I want a blank page in front of you pertaining to peace. And we're gonna set a new standard of peace based on Scripture and not based on our own ideas or our own experiences. It's the pathway to peace. I wanna give you four quick little steps, if you like. If you're visual like me, I want you to picture it like almost like a pathway that, that has four progressions along the journey, four stations along the journey. And I want you to get ready to write them down. I'm gonna give them to you quick. In John chapter 14 and verse 27, Jesus said this to the disciples. And I want you to listen to these words. Jesus said, peace, I leave with you. My peace, say my peace. My peace, I give to you. Now we understand this is Jesus speaking. So he's very intentional with every word that he says. And he refers to the peace as being his peace. Jesus Peace. And as I began to look at that and we understand something of Jesus' life, we are reminded that Jesus operated in a level of peace that was unprecedented. That, that this type of peace that, watch these words, that Jesus gave them. So when you receive Jesus Christ into your heart, peace is not something that you have to try and find or wait to come on you. Peace, the peace of God is something that you already have within you. And that, that shocks me because I don't always feel that peace of God. And sometimes I feel peaceful, but more often than not, the peace that I feel is determined and based upon my circumstances and what's happening around me. But when I read Scripture, I learn about a guy in Scripture called Jesus who operates in this peace that seems to be the same peace that Philippians 4 and verse 7 says, and that's a peace that surpasses understanding. 
And I begin to think about Jesus and I begin, begin to think about the fact that Jesus had a peace that allowed him to sleep during a storm. I think, okay, sleeping in a storm, that's another level, bro. That's different. It, not, not that you were not just not rattled. You were not even standing. You were sleeping in a storm. Some of us can't get sleep in our bed at night. But Jesus has a peace where He's laying in the bottom of a rickety boat in a storm while everybody else is freaking out. And this guy's just chilling in a storm. It's that type of peace. It's the type of peace that when He came before Herod and He's about to be executed, Jesus is standing there and He's being accused of crimes that He did not commit by an evil, ungodly King that in a second, Jesus could have taken this joker out just by saying this and just doing this movement. But He stands there and Scripture says, He does not utter a single word. I began to think of that and it drew me into this desire to say, God, I want that type of peace that will give me a settledness in the middle of battles that I don't need to fight because you're gonna fight them for me. That when I get before my biggest challenges and my biggest battles, I don't have to be in anxiety. I don't have to speak sometimes even. I can just stand there surrounded with a peace of God coming in and out of my heart, knowing who my God is and what I'm called to and simply say nothing because of God's peace. I thought we could use that, couldn't we? I could use that. It's the type of peace that when Mary went, rushed over to Jesus and said, Jesus, Lazarus, the one that you love is sick. It's the type of peace that when other people try to get you rattled, this was what Mary was trying to do. Trying to rattle Jesus and his emotions to kick him into gear because if he cared so much, he would do it now. Jesus, the one you love is sick, let's go. But it's a type of peace where Jesus surrenders not to his plan or his emotions, but to God's plan. And he says, I'm just gonna chill here where I am two more days, even though it's gonna get worse, I have a peace that my God is greater than the situation I face. It's the type of peace that will be in the desert and the devil himself will show up and tempt you. And with a single verse, you can send your enemy fleeing. I started reading it and, I, and it, lent, it, it drew me into this desire. I'm like, God, this is, this is different to just feeling good. And then he says to the disciples, this peace, my peace, what you've been watching me walk in, unrattled, unaffected by people, situations and circumstances, I give this to you. And then it hit me because I felt so convicted because I thought, how well am I stewarding the peace of God in my life? If, if I have that same peace within me, is it active? Is it operating? Because I don't think I'm operating in that every day. 
So it took me on this journey of wanting to know what's the pathway to activating the peace of God that I already have. And I use those words intentionally because we have to approach this with a sound theology based upon the price that Jesus Christ has paid and the words that He said on the cross that it is finished. That there is not a single thing that you have to try and earn or attain in addition to what Jesus has given us. And He has given you, according to these words, the peace of God, the same peace Jesus had, He has given to you. So we're not going on this pathway to try and get something we don't already have. We're going on this journey to activate what I've got to its fullest in my life. The first thing I want you to write down is this pathway to peace. It begins first with what I believe. What I believe. Because you've been given a promise by God according to these verses that His peace, He lives with you. The challenge and where this journey begins, it begins first with asking yourself this question, do I truly believe that I have the peace of God? Do I believe it? Because you will never activate anything within the Kingdom of God if it's not activated by faith. Because without faith, it's impossible to please God, isn't it? And God always loves us, but He's not always pleased with us. And it's a challenging thought to think that I could be serving God, loving God, going to church, preaching, worshipping, but if I'm not doing any of it by faith, God looks at me and says, I love you, but I'm actually not very pleased with you. See, I love my kids always, but I'm not always pleased with them. Amen, parents, you know what I'm talking about. And God is pleased with us based on the level of faith we believe and step out in. And you will get on a wrong track and experience a surface level peace in your life that's dependent upon circumstances and things if it is not first grounded in a firm faith, fundamental belief based upon the promise of God that I have within me the peace of God. That same peace that Jesus had, it lives in me. I've got to believe it. I've got to believe it. Even the most fear-filled, anxious person in this room still has the peace of God within their hearts. It is just laying dormant. So we have to increase our faith in order to begin this journey and understand that if I really wanna activate the peace of God in my life, it has to first start with what I believe. What I believe. The second thing I want you to write down is I want you to write down the second step and it's what I obey. What I obey. Psalms 119, 165, David said this. He says, great peace, say great peace. Great peace have those who love your law. Do you love God's instructions for your life? I know you love Jesus, but that's not what David's saying. 
You will never, we will never ever experience the peace of God outside of God's plan. And God's plan is paved by God's Word. That's why David said, it's a lamp to my feet and it's a light to my path. But great peace, great peace, you will experience great peace in your life when you love the instructions of God. I don't always love the instructions of God. Sometimes they suck. (laughs) And sometimes I don't wanna do them. And the sooner we just embrace that and embrace the fact that we are flesh and spirit and I learn then to deny what my flesh wants and embrace what is healthy and right for my spirit and surrender my plan and what I want and become obedient to His plan, I then start to experience an activation of His peace in my life. You will never experience the peace of God outside of the plans of God. Doesn't matter how much you pray, doesn't matter how much you fast. If you're in a relationship that is ungodly, stop praying about your relationship. Let me save you, okay, and stop fasting. Go eat a hamburger after service and just accept the fact that that relationship will never be peaceful. I've got to tell you the truth. Why? Because if it is not of God, it is outside of God's plans and anything outside of God's plans, the enemy has access to. It's very simple. There is not a lukewarm in this thing. I wish there was, because I would love to live there because that would be so much easier. But He said, is He the light or is dark? And in fact, in Revelation, He says, if you are lukewarm, Jesus, God says this in Scripture, so don't don't email me. If you are lukewarm, you make me wanna vomit. That is not me, that is Revelation, that is Scripture. But the problem is, is we live lukewarm and wonder why we live in torment. His Word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. So what happens is when I deviate from His Word, I step out of covering of God's protection. And no amount of praying and fasting puts me back here. You know what puts me back here? Obedience. So when I say, okay, God, I should not have slept with this person. I should not have cheated on my taxes. I should not be doing this behaviour that's contrary to Your Word. But now I come to You and I repent and I ask that You forgive me and I come back in line with Your Word. Now, see, now I'm undercover. More breakthrough would happen in your life through just being obedient than you realise. You would cut your prayer list in half, I promise you. If you, you wouldn't have to pray over your finances so much if you tithed. Oh, oh he said it. Shut up, I don't care, I just don't care. I'm sorry, I love you, but I don't care. And people go say and say, the church always wants your money. So does your gym membership. 
but you don't care about paying that. I'm about building the kingdom and that's more important than you putting on more muscle or losing weight. So don't come at me when I say, we need to tithe, we need to sow because we're building something that God has called us to do. You think it's like for me? I don't care, come ask me in the lobby. I'll tell you what I make, go look at my car. I don't care if I was about this for the money. There are a billion other things that I could be doing that would make me a lot more money. But I surrendered my life to advancing God's Kingdom and I surrendered my life to obeying His Word. And when we say you have to tithe, that's not for us, that's for you. Because you were all blessed. You were all blessed and I've seen it in my life. And some of you are praying for breakthrough in your finances and God is answering your prayers, but He's doing it in the way that you don't want. And He's answering it by just saying, just obey me, just obey me. And you're praying for breakthrough in your marriage and He's saying, just obey me. Humble yourself, go and say sorry. Admit that you're screw up and you're both working at this and you need help you will be amazed at the shift and the peace that will come into your home. Because when we start to live outside of God's plan, it's like opening the door of your house to the enemy. That is very simple. That's the easiest way to give the enemy access in your life is willfully living outside of the will of God, plans of God. It's very easy. And you leave the door open, you, you will be amazed. The enemy will come, in, come and go in your house, in your life, in your mind, in your emotions, in your thinking, more than you can. You, you, he'll just do whatever he wants. But as easy as it is to do, it's so easy to undo. We just repent and then we just... Close the door. And you know what that does? It establishes a spiritual boundary. Now listen, the enemy is what? He's a lawbreaker, right? So don't think that when you just close the door that life's gonna be roses and skittles from then on, because it's not, okay? Because that joker is a lawbreaker, right? So that's why you have to take, if I, when I lock my door at night, Right, if some guy tries to break in my window, I am gonna enforce the ground that I have. Right? And and it's the same way spiritually. But, but you make it so much easier for the enemy if you leave the door open, just like you would not do in your own house, but you do it in your spiritual life every single day. So make a decision, say, you know what, I'm gonna close the door and now my prayer life is gonna enforce this spiritual boundary. So when the enemy comes in, I'm gonna bind him, I'm gonna loose him, I'm gonna declare the blood of Jesus and I'm gonna keep living, right? And I'm gonna occupy the ground, in fact, take more ground because I know that God has called me to do something great and it's gonna unfold as I stay in line with His plan. With His plan. We don't have time, but you, there's, you, you can close the door on generational curses over your life. It doesn't have to be some big crazy thing. It's the power of the blood of Jesus. I'll close the door on it. It's not gonna happen. It's not gonna happen. It's as simple as living God's Word, but we don't do it. And we wonder why we're riddled with anxiety and bound with fear. We just got to live his plan.
So it's believe it. And then it's based on what I obey. The third thing, and real quickly, is what I see. What I see. Perspective is everything when it comes to the peace of God in your life. What do you see? Do you see your surroundings? You focus more on your surroundings than you do your Saviour. We are in a day and age where we love to talk about how screwed up everything is. And we'll talk about it and then we'll tweet it and then we'll post it and then we'll send it to 412 of our closest friends and then they'll send it to their friends and then they'll repost it and then they'll send you this video telling you what's happening here and what the government's doing here and what culture's doing here and what society's doing here and what they're making you do here. And listen, I'm not, I, we need to not be ignorant of the devil's devices, but I'm also not gonna be consumed by them. Because you know what I learned when I watch all of the news and everything on social media and all of the videos people send me? Do you know the conclusion that I land at? It's very simple. We live in a really screwed up world. Okay, and I bet if you keep watching everything and focusing on it, you're probably going to land at the same conclusion. And, and my challenge to people is, what does knowing that cause you to do? And of course, Christians will say, well, we need to pray. Okay, so what were you doing before then? Well, we need to pray harder. Well, then why were you not praying harder before then? Because see what we do is we allow the enemy's, to, the enemy's attack to dictate the level of our prayer life. And that gives control to the enemy. So when he lifts up the attack, I start praying harder. Well, what happens when the attack drops? Well, then I start praying less. Well, what about we just make... God and knowing Him, the centre focus of my prayer life. And I say, God, grow me, show me, guide me so that any battle I face and dependent on what's going on in the world around me, my faith level does not change nor does my prayer life because I'm maxed out every single day because I know I've got a purpose and a calling upon my life that is not determined by the attacks that I face. Paul, Paul said something to the church in Corinth and the church in Corinth, do you know that Corinth was known as a city of pleasure, right? It's like Vegas on steroids, the city of pleasure. And Corinth had multiple pagan gods that they would worship. It was a, it was a, a seaport city. So when seas would come in, they would go through Corinth. So it had anything and everything going on. You think, you think California's bad? Corinth was next level. They had, there was one particular God, one of the main God, um, pagan gods in Corinth, that the, the, the main way to worship this God was to sleep with the temple prostitutes. And there were hundreds of them as a sacred act of worship at the temple, both male and female prostitutes in front of the temple as worship to that pagan God. You wanna talk about depravity? And do you know what? Listen to what Paul says to the church 
that's in Corinth. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Even though our outward man is perishing, even though we're going through things, our inward man is being renewed day by day. For our light affliction is but for a moment. Paul sounds so detached from what's going on in Corinth, doesn't it? It's like, Paul, do you, are you not reading the news, bro? Like, are you not on Instagram? How do you not see what's going on here? In fact, I learnt those things about Corinth not by reading Paul's writings. I had to study it to find out about it. Paul was so unconsumed by what was going on in the world, he didn't even put the details in there. I had to study it to find out. Why? Because Paul's perspective was based upon who he knew God was and the peace of God within him, not the society that they were in. This is a great lesson for us as the church because we as Christians are absolutely consumed with what the enemy is doing in our culture right now. We are consumed with it. And the more consumed we get with it, the less peace of God we activate in our life. And the very solution for the depravity in our world, which is the church, is so busy feeding ourselves with information based on the very depravity that we're called to change. And the sooner we get a better perspective and we say, let's just say this, society is a freaking mess. Okay, that's probably an understatement. But my God is good. And God has put me here for such a time of this and I'm gonna grow myself in God and I'm gonna keep focused on Him and I'm gonna activate the peace of God and I'm gonna keep taking ground and I'm gonna keep believing and I'm gonna keep getting souls saved because the Great Commission does not change based on how messed up society is. Jesus is not like, hey, listen guys, um, you know the whole like go and make disciples? Well, let's just change that up because I didn't realise that you guys were gonna make this much of a mess. So we need to just change it up a little bit. No. Do you know what the answer is? To go and make disciples. To go and make disciples. People say, what about this? And what about that? You know how I deal with this and that? Is I make disciples. And I raise up people in every sphere of society that know who God is and follow His Word. This is where true transformation of a culture begins. You know how you fix the problems with government? You raise up and you disciple the next governor. That's what you do. I, I found out two weeks ago, I was talking with a guy, that uh, um, my old, pastor in Melbourne and he told me that a girl that I met when she was in high school as a result of one of the high school programs that we started running when I was a youth pastor, she's now married and he just told me she's now running for mayor of the city. 
So now, now we have kingdom influence at the highest level in a city. How did it happen? Make disciples, make disciples. How do we influence Hollywood? Not from the outside in, that's so reactionary. My God, my God is so much bigger than that approach. I believe that we can raise up the greatest entertainers on the planet, the greatest producers, the greatest actors, the greatest actresses. God does not own Hollywood. The devil does not own Hollywood. We have to take it back and recognise that all authority, all authority, He said, is given unto me, therefore go. Every sphere of society. You say, Ben, that's a lot. I know, we serve a big God. So let's shut up and start doing it and stop complaining and stop bickering and start thinking bigger of yourself and your God. Activate the peace of God and let's go get this thing done. That's how we change. But we've got to have, we've got to see it different. We've got to see it different. The last thing I'm going to close. The last thing is what I recall, what I recall. We gotta, what will help activate the peace of God in your life is looking back across your life and remembering or recalling the good things that God has done. It'll help activate the peace of God when you're in the middle of something where you still need Him to do something. Do you remember, do you talk about the good things that God has done? This will activate God's peace in your life. It'll activate God's peace in your life. David said in 63, Psalm 63, verse 67, when I remember you on my bed, I meditate on you in the night watches, verse seven, because you have been my help you'll activate the peace of God in your life when you recall the goodness of God across your life. And some of you I know are thinking, well, Ben, what about the bad things? Because some of you, that is the difficult things that prevent you from looking back and remembering. Because when you look back, you don't see all these good things. You see some stuff that's tough. So what do you do with that? Well, it's real simple. Don't discount God based upon a work that He hasn't finished yet. Because the Bible tells me that He works all things for the good. So if there's something in your past that you can't see the good yet, that just means that God isn't finished. We rest when we're tired, God rests when He's finished. And there's things across your past that you've given up on and you've put to rest as a lost battle. And God's saying to you, I'm still working on that. And you're gonna come to a day where you're gonna look back 
at some of the worst moments of your life and say, you know what, it was hell on earth, but I don't think I'll change a single thing. And only God can do that. So don't be discouraged. And fix your attention upon the goodness of God and trust in Him. And you will activate His peace in your life like never before. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. To watch our latest message, be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel. To stay connected, follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Free Chapel OC.